Hey, South Africa. Welcome to Farmers Inside Track Weekend. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food Form Zanzi. Now, according to the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa, 60% of South African households are food insecure and more than 13 million children live in poverty. Mzanzi took practical steps to reduce food loss and waste following an initiative launched a year ago by the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa since its launch in SA. It has already gained signed commitments by more than 50 business entities in the consumer goods sector. Matlung Zitati, executive for the Food Safety Initiative at the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa, joins us now to tell us more. Matlung, tell us about the South African Food Loss and Waste Voluntary Agreement and how is it reducing food waste and loss in Mzanzi? The Food Waste Agreement is a collaborative effort to take action on food waste generated at the relevant stages of the food system. In South Africa, as we know, an estimated 14 million people go to bed hungry every night. So through this landmark voluntary agreement, signatories from South Africa, manufacturers, suppliers and retailers are committing to the agreement to meet the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals 12.3 to reduce food waste in South Africa by 50% by 2030. This will be done through individual activities in their companies based on the Target Measure Act principle. Now, locally, it is estimated that we waste up to a third of what is produced, up to a million tons of food in the journey from farm to fork. What solutions or changes did the voluntary agreement implement to decrease this waste? The solutions that will be implemented are basically to reduce food waste in South Africa by 50% by 2030, which matches with the goal, the ultimate goal. And the manufacturers and retailers, the signatories, will adopt the food utilization hierarchy, which prioritizes the prevention of food waste first, as well as redistribution of edible nutritious surplus food that is suitable for human consumption. There has to be identification of food surplus and waste management solution that will respond to a secular economy and sustainable food systems agenda. And we do believe that through government's legislative guidance, the industry will be enabled to prevent waste and empower to donate surplus food which is safe for human consumption, thus avert food insecurity and food waste and work towards the zero hunger goal. Since the launch of the voluntary agreement, 55 signatories have come on board. Tell us about the plans to get even more businesses involved. Since the voluntary agreement, indeed, 55 signatories have come on board and we can only keep spreading the message to get more companies on board. However, with an enabling environment such as regulation that support redistribution or donation of food that has passed its best before, but still safe for human consumption, we could see an improvement and also in more companies joining as this was raised as a concern and hindrance for companies to join or sign up to the agreement. And then another burning question is, what role can government and specifically the agricultural sector play in reducing food waste in South Africa? There is a need for government to focus on farmers' infrastructure support, such as ability to process products that may not have been sold at the markets. There is also a need for markets close to the farmers and also the improvements of market infrastructure, such as storage and temperature control. And as we know, we've got energy problems in South Africa. So if that is enhanced, we could see a lot of improvement. 
One other critical aspect is the issue of road infrastructure with the other ones that I've already mentioned are some drivers of food loss and waste. And then finally, could you list the goals you want to achieve by 2030 and how can consumers change their behavior? The goal of the voluntary agreement is to have food waste by 2030 in South Africa. And as we know, food waste has a direct impact on climate change and needs necessary focus from governments, consumers and industry working together. If we all measure the waste we produce in our facilities and households, we should be able to implement changes. Thus, we all have a responsibility and a role to play in the reduction of food loss and waste. Thank you so much for the valuable insight. And thanks for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track. Matlung Zetati, Executive for the Food Safety Initiative at the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa. Next up, we're excited about a brand new segment on Farmers Inside Track called Farms, Food and Future, powered by Andamat Madumbi. Our focus? Biorational crop solutions. And we now continue our conversation with biospecialist at Andamat Madumbi, Mark Hutton, who gives us the 101 on soil and root health. Great to have you with us again, Mark. Now, when we last spoke, you highlighted why healthy roots and soil is essential to produce nutrient-dense food and how farmers can use this to produce the best possible yield and harvest. Now, every farmer's goal, regardless of the crop, is to grow healthy plants capable of producing the best possible yield or harvest. And I think you've touched on some of this, but is there a type of best practice or standard practice for farmers that they ensure that they achieve this consistently? What advice do you have for new farmers? Yeah, there again, as I said earlier on, I think I might have covered on a healthy plant. What does that actually mean to us? So I think it depends on who you're talking to as to what constitutes a, a healthy plant. But really the way I look at it, if my plant has been a pest and or disease, is it really a healthy plant? That's the question that I keep asking myself. If it was a healthy plant, surely I wouldn't get the pest and disease that I would get in an unhealthy plant. So we really got to decide what, what is a healthy plant and, and what do you think a healthy plant is and, and what are we aiming for? So if you're looking at... If you're looking at trying to get your best possible yield or harvest, there's two sides to that as well. There's looking at harvest or yield, and there's also looking at quality of your product that you're supplying and what is the consumer looking for? How do they want you to produce that quality crop? Because they want quality, they're not interested in your yield, they want quality, and you're trying to do quality and yield at the same time. So how would you go about producing those two factors and it really it still goes back down to the soils again you want quality and you want shelf life you need to have a healthy soil that will give you the nutrient density and that's where the quality and that's where the taste comes from if you don't have a bricks level above six your crop you're producing is generally not tasty taste comes after a bricks level of six and the higher your bricks level goes up as well the less pests and diseases that you'll get within your crop and also, if you look at, so going back to that as well, your insects that are attacking your crops generally don't have a stomach to be able to digest very complex nutrients. They prefer less complex nutrient. A less complex nutrient is normally found in an unhealthy plant. And that's why they're attacking your, the unhealthy plants. So if you have got pest and disease, you need to go back to the soil, look at why, why you're producing an unhealthy plant. And also you'll start seeing when you are producing a nutrient-dense healthy plant or resilient plant, you will start naturally getting less pest and disease into your crop. 
Now, Mark, you've highlighted that as a result, growers develop and constantly improves and refines their individual integrated pest management programs to minimize pest damage. Could you elaborate more on this? What should new farmers consider and why is pest management so important besides what you've just highlighted? Dawn, if you look at global warming, every time as the temperature increases, generally our pests' life cycle speeds up and because their life cycle is speeding up we will then have more pests in your orchard or in your crop just because of the increase in temperature. So sort of some of the figures that get thrown around as 1% increase in temperature could lead to 10 to 25% crop loss. So now you, when you start hearing figures like that, you start realizing how important it is for you to manage your pest and disease problems that you could potentially face out in your orchard or in your field. When you're looking at a program, how do you build a program that puts, I call them bricks or walls in place to stress the pest out? How do we do that? Because at the moment now, we're normally focusing on above ground, we're focusing on the crop and we're getting pests and diseases and we see that all over the place and all, even in commercial agriculture, there's a lot of pest damage. What do we put in place to ensure that when the pest comes to your orchard, it finds it very difficult to actually complete this life cycle? So one of the things that we need to put in place there again is to make sure that you've got a resilient, resistant plant that has a natural defense system that will fight back. So those plants that are in a resilient or resistant position, when they fight back, they fight back much quicker and much harder. Where you've got an unhealthy plant, their reaction is much slower and less effective against pest and disease. So you've got to look at the whole picture is what I'm trying to say. You've got to look at the whole environment. Rather have an environmentally produced program that you use. So you're using the soil, you're using the plant health, you're using ways to stress the pest out. So if you've got a stress pest and you come to apply any product above ground, whether it be chemical or biological, you've got a much better chance of knocking that pest down because they're stressed. But at the moment, the pests that we've got are pretty healthy, they're pretty strong, the numbers are very high. So they're basically having a field day and we're having to spray more and more chemicals nowadays to get the knockdown because you spray more and more often and there are scenarios where farmers will start putting down more of the product in other words they increase the rate of application we start leading to a point where we're getting resistant pests to the chemistry so once you've got a resistant pest to chemistry what are you going to do next because you're starting to run out of options and that's where if we can put these walls in place we can stress the pests out we can knock them down when we're applying products and for biological products as well, it's, it's an ideal place that once the pest is stressed, we can knock them down very softly with soft products like Bavaria Bassiana, for example. So yeah, it's back to that building a program that encompasses the entire environment. Swirl is your foundation. Wherever I see a farmer turning to farming the soil, all these things start to change. There's a big shift, a dramatic shift, and it becomes easier for the farmer to actually start to combat pests and diseases, and it's easy on management as well. Now, on that point, plants grown with Andamat Madumbi's root health program are stronger, exhibiting increased pests and disease resistance, like you've just highlighted. How has this product changed the game for farmers in Mzanzi and globally? What we've seen so far, the guys who are focusing on soils, they definitely started to see a decrease in cost because we've built a a stronger, resilient plant that's fighting back on its own. And also naturally, your pests and diseases are not attracted to these plants because they just feel that they're not going to be as successful there as they would be on, say, a different orchard somewhere. So they're starting to use less chemicals, less chemicals being applied, and they're using softer products, which are your biological products. 
and they're getting locked down with those biological products as well and being successful with them. Some of the guys are also looking at reducing some of the fertilizer applications or the volume of fertilizer that they're applying. And that's because a lot of farmers have leaf analysis and they're seeing the nutrients in the leaf are much higher than where they normally would be. So the, the microbes are starting to make nutrients available for them. So they can start reducing the fertilizer applications because the nutrients are coming from the soil. Because that's what the soil actually is there for, is to supply nutrients to the crop under normal circumstances. If you go to an all-growth forest, man is not applying any fertilizer there, yet we've got massive trees. We've got all sorts of plants, we've got diversity that doesn't need fertilizer and chemistry at all for it to be successful. Your soil food web is in place. You're getting nutrient uptake, you're getting photosynthesis. Photosynthesis, the rate of photosynthesis is starting to increase because you've got more leaf surface area, healthier leaf surface area. Obviously, you're also getting bigger, stronger root systems. So all those combinations are leading to, actually, at the end of the day, reducing your present costs. And you're producing a crop that is healthier for human consumption. If you look at all our issues that we have nowadays with human health, a lot of it actually goes back to the food that you eat. It's not nutrient-dense. We're not getting the nutritional value out of the food that we would have got 200 years ago. So that's leading us to be in a position where we're getting more diseases in humans as well. So soil health has a direct impact on human health. And then before we let you go, Mark, what's your three top tips for new farmers just entering the farming arena, considering everything that you've just mentioned and specifically around soil and root health? Yeah, the first thing for me is to just stop and think alternative. Don't just follow the norm because the norm won't be the norm in 20 years from now. I can guarantee you that. And the norm is already shifting. They need to go and research soil health. That should be their number one focus before they do anything. Look at the soils. What has happened to them? Are they compacted? Do they have enough organic matter? Do they have the microbes in place? If they aren't, how are they going to get it in place? So essentially, it's go back to the soil, concentrate on it, and then from there move forward. Because the soil is actually your crop. Thanks for joining us, biospecialist at Andamat Madumbi, Mark Hutton. For more about this topic, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za for an in-depth article that promises to change the way you think about farming. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. Remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members, and of course, your fellow farmers. From me, Dawn Numdu, Megan van der Vent, our producer, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team, have a great weekend. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. You've been listening to the Farmer's Inside Track Podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.